There are two big sources of capital that could drive the next crypto bull market in the next year or two. And in today's crypto over copy episode, I'm going to share with you what those groups are and the likelihood that they enter the crypto market in force in the coming years. So hit the subscribe button, stick around for the whole show, and you'll get all the details that we've got in store today. Got a really good iced coffee as well. Uh, this one is Onyx Coffee Roasters in Ethiopian. Fantastic. So big question. Would you like to see Bitcoin at $64,000 again? I know that I certainly would. And a couple weeks ago, I shared my top few indicators for a crypto bull market resurgence. But today, I'm going to share with you two specific investor groups who could easily drive the market back to all-time highs if they deploy their capital with force into crypto. The first of those two groups is one with lots of capital to deploy, and they've been largely out of the market for a while now, and that is Chinese investors, both retail and institutional. As you probably know, China has banned cryptocurrency and pretty much all access to investing in it since 2021, give or take. Of course, Chinese citizens have pretty clearly still been trading crypto through decentralized means since the ban, but the overall saturation and access to crypto in Chinese populations has been limited due to this ban. Now recently, Hong Kong suddenly began rolling out access to regulated crypto investing platforms for its citizens, which is a pretty stark policy reversal from the last rulemaking that's been done on crypto. In isolation, this is not really much to buzz about because the rules are still restrictive and it only gives access to high market cap coins like Bitcoin and Ether. But let's speculate for a moment that these policies are a testbed for mainland China and other regions as well that are currently still under stringent bans. That would take an optimistic four to six billion dollar inflow to crypto that we get from Hong Kong and bubble that up to hundreds of billions potentially if rules were to open up in China. Now, that's a lot of speculation, right? Because there's no legitimate confirmation that Hong Kong's recent policy is going to make its way to the broader China market. But it's something that would have a serious impact if it were to materialize. That said, there is an another sort of hidden impact that these policy shifts in Europe and Hong Kong, etc. are starting to have the subtext, if you will. And that these things are putting a lot of pressure on the United States to act before it gets left behind on crypto policy. And as innovators leave the country, it's only going to put more pressure on. It's absolutely no secret that the U.S. is the undisputed laggard with crypto regulatory clarity and policy. And big companies are leaving in spades to find more stable ground in Europe and Asia, particularly the latter. However, as the United States allies and rivals began making huge strides and are continuing to do so in this policymaking department, it puts more and more pressure on policymakers and regulators in the U.S. to get their act in gear. And I say this only partially in jest, but out of spite, the U.S. is unlikely to adopt policies that are more stringent and restrictive than that of its rivals such as China. But why does this even matter? It matters because regulatory clarity and sensible crypto rules in the U.S. would unlock a tsunami of institutional investment that's not going to go anywhere near crypto right now due to the partisan regulatory murkiness that surrounds it. And I don't pretend to have relationships with any large institutional investors, but I definitely have some who work at smaller firms and definitely in the venture capital world. And these people are seeing a lot of reticence to invest in crypto outside of the tech-focused venture capital world. And even that is slowing down. To me, if the United States, 
gets pressured to act and get its act in gear and put sensible policy in place, we could see serious institutional inflow, even if macroeconomic conditions don't fully improve in the short to midterm. That's the case I'm looking at. If we see a reversal of crypto bans in China and institutional interest in the US, that could be enough to drive or at least start a new crypto bull market, which would of course also feature retail. So what do you think? Let me know in the comments what you ascribe the probability of all this happening to be. There's lots of speculation involved, as I said, but I'm curious to hear your opinion. And these are a couple things I'll be looking at, not saying they'll happen, but that if they do, could be great. By the way, if you want to hear more about crypto news for the week, including the latest alpha and insights into my portfolio, you're going to find all of that and more in my Crypto Over Coffee newsletter, which is a free weekly update on all things crypto without all the hype and hyperbole that you find elsewhere. So you can sign up for that newsletter for free using the link in the description and if you're on the YouTube show in the pinned comment. Thank you for that, by the way. In other news, yesterday I began to get messages from people on Twitter and a couple other social media platforms like Instagram saying that their non-custodial wallets created using Atomic Wallet on both desktop and potentially mobile had been drained completely. With exception, of course, to assets that were actively locked in stake. Then I saw the Atomic Wallet Twitter account, the creator of the relatively popular crypto wallet on mobile and desktop, confirming reports of wallets being drained. Not good. It appears that there's some sort of exploit in play here, either some malicious code in the code base or an actively exploited bug in the existing code that's allowing third parties to rip funds from the self-managed wallets of Atomic Wallet users. So little is known about the situation and that makes it worse because not too long ago, there were some security red flags raised by researchers that indicated concerns about Atomic Wallet security. I'll link that in the description if you want to see it. And now here we are. More warnings ignored, more funds lost, and not much to go on as to how or why this is happening. In an ideal world, of course, Atomic Wallet's maintainers will identify the issue, detail the exploit, and mitigate it, and then offer restitution for those affected. However, my confidence in this being the outcome is rather low because of the seemingly nonchalant response to this so far. The last update that I saw was simply from Atomic Wallet saying they're looking into it, they have security researchers on the job, but they don't have a definitive answer. Now, there are also some people who are now messaging me back and saying that some of their balances are back, but just not everything. So there may be a situation where some balances were shown erroneously as zero, but are in fact still intact. It's really hard to say right now, but I'm gonna tell you this. It's gonna be very important to watch this very closely, particularly if you're an Atomic Wallet user, because we really need to know what happened and what action folks can take. So I feel really terrible, terrible for those who have been affected by this, and I'll keep you posted as to what the heck is happening when we get some more clarity. Now, there's also definitely going to be some more controversy to come on this next topic in the future, so just you wait. But Tether, the ubiquitous USD stablecoin, has grown to its all-time high market cap during what has largely been a bear market with, of course, some bullish spikes here and there, and that's pretty wild. But why has it grown so much? And that's because its competitors are being crushed by regulatory churn. Recently, the New York Department of Financial Services established a cap control on the issuance of new BUSD, Binance's USD stablecoin, which ended up breaking confidence in the coin, which drew its market cap down from $23 billion to $5 billion. And a lot of that went into Tether. 
The other big competitor to Tether, USDC, offered by Circle, has had its own issues with regulatory uncertainty in the US, making people reluctant to use the coin due to fears of centralization. Through all this strife for its competitors, Tether, USDT, has grown rapidly and doesn't seem to be on track to slow growth soon. That's a real concern to me, because I don't know about you, but Tether is the epitome of opaque, sketchy question marks, in my opinion. I'm not saying definitively that there is an issue behind the scenes, but the fact that I don't know for sure and I have questions is pretty scary when a huge proportion of the crypto market is propped and reliant on the liquidity that USDT provides. Diversity of stable coins is a very important piece of market health, in my view, because a collapse of one of these coins would be unlikely to bring down the entire market structure with diversity, like we saw with UST. However, if Tether were to collapse now, it would be complete and utter destruction, existential destruction. And this is just another symptom of poor regulatory poly-making, policy-making performance in the United States and elsewhere for that matter as it relates to crypto. It creates worse risk. You might trust Tether yourself, and that's cool, you're free to. I'd like to trust Tether, but I just can't because we don't have all the information and there's been no transparency for so long. And speaking of trust and transparency, that brings me to today's 404 Logic Not Found, a firecracker of a segment where we bring attention to illogical happenings in the crypto space. If you want to help this show get some attention, of course, please hit the like button, subscribe, share it with your friends. Whatever you can do is much appreciated. And now, without rehashing the whole thing over and over and over again, Ledger, a popular hardware wallet maker, created quite a stir when it announced its Ledger Recover feature, a semi-custodial backup option for users' cryptographic keys. And I have a detailed video on all this, this whole thing. If you want all the details, I highly recommend you watch it after this, so I'll link it in the description. But in all this back and forth about this feature, people learned a really valuable lesson about the realities of crypto wallets today. You have to trust the manufacturer of the wallet and the developer of the software and firmware. These wallets are not trustless. Whether the Ledger Recover feature exists or not, you still have to trust Ledger not to write firmware that allows them or some government, for example, to extract private keys from your device. Open source software, of course, will help this in a lot of ways because you can independently verify what's going on, but it doesn't totally resolve the trust problem. The illogical part of this whole thing is that people didn't already understand this fact, and it concerns me deeply how many people were just giving blind trust to one or more hardware wallet companies, or mobile wallet companies for that matter, before this whole drama cast the reality into light. Mobile and desktop wallets are even more susceptible to this trust problem because there are fewer hardware-based hurdles to place in front of people to prevent your private key or seed phrase from being compromised and your funds being lost. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. The immaturity of wallet technology is what is keeping crypto in the Bronze Age, far, far away from mass adoption. We're at this uncomfortable chasm where people not only have to make user experience compromises to use crypto wallets, but they are doing so without any knowledge of the fundamental risks and trust assumptions they're making in using these wallets. And that is not good. And it may sound harsh to throw a 404 logic not found at the average Joe for not understanding cryptography or security best practices, but if we are going to be our own banks, then those things are implicit to the responsibility of holding one's own assets, right? It's a huge responsibility and it's only attainable for the average person when we see the technology, 
user behavior, and social infrastructure in lockstep to make it easy enough and accessible enough to become a natural part of everyday life to take these things seriously and do things in a secure way without it being too complicated. And that's going to take a long time to materialize. But anyway, this is all food for thought, something to, I guess, chew on for the week ahead and think about. But if you want the bottom line details on the whole fiasco that led to this reality check on crypto hardware wallets, of course, because of Ledger Recover, watch the video linked in the description or on the screen if you're watching the good old YouTube and you'll find my explainer on that topic. I'm pretty proud of it, so I think it's worth the watch. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. Have a great rest of the day and I'll catch you on the next one. Cheers.